0: This is the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hello everyone. I hope you're doing well, and I truly look forward to the time that I get to spend with you. I know it's just a podcast and it's through technology, but I love how God has placed so many people in my life to be able to pour into this way. I love how God is working here in South Florida and there are genuine relationships between so many church leaders being able to pour into you as a community and i truly believe that we are better together because not one of us is as good as all of us and so i'm really grateful that you're a part of our community here at leadership lessons and uh, i'm just really blessed to be able to host this ministry and this podcast and if you're serving in south florida i just really want to encourage you to be a part of Church United. Um, This is a movement where they have their goal to get pastors to come together for the sake of the gospel and for mission. Their goal is to connect, to collaborate, and to celebrate together. They want people not alone and in community serving jesus together making disciples and i I just love that i love being able to be a part of a community that's all about jesus Uh, psalm 133 says uh, there's a special blessing that the lord commands a blessing when we come together and are unified and so i'm grateful for you for ministry, for your unique background, and I appreciate you being part of this community. Even if you're not here in South Florida, wherever you may find yourself, I want to let you know that you are loved and that I really look forward to this time uh, being able to share important lessons um, to you. And so today we're going to talk about the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit as we serve Jesus. It's another important leadership lesson that I all want us to understand and to apply to our lives. And I think that we just need uh, someone uh, to remind us of of important things. You know, the Apostle Peter said, "I, I write these things to you, not that you don't know the truth, but to remind you. And we as servants of God need to just be reminded of the necessities, of the important things, that there is a God and He loves us you know, we don't have to pay God back. Uh, we didn't earn our salvation. We're simply loved and saved by His grace through faith. And we're able to have a ministry because of the relationship that Jesus has in our lives, because He's our Savior, because God is our Lord and He adopted us as children. And so many times um, as ministry leaders, we have an identity of what we do for God, but God loves us regardless of what we do. While we were reset uh, enemies of him, he died for us. And now as we get to love him and in relationship with him, ministry should flow from our hearts. Like John 15, 4 says that when we abide in Christ, we'll bear fruit. And, and it's just a, such an important reminder to be able to understand that. Many times we, we, we can do ministry even without God. And this is just crazy. Too often as leaders, we're so focused on the, the practical side and the wisdom and, and, the, and all these how-tos while neglecting the spiritual side. But listen, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. It all starts with God. And so as we abide in Him and the Holy Spirit pours into our lives and, and His love into our lives, we're able to pour that out to other people. And I just want to remind you today that we are the mission of Christ. We're Christ's mission, that He loves us. He died for us as leaders, not just for what we do, but because who we are, who He is. His grace is amazing, and He knows exactly all of our flaws, all of our weaknesses, and yet He still loves us and wants to use us. And so, man, Jesus told His disciples that we should be celebrating this. Uh, They were doing ministry and seeing demons get cast out and people get healed and all this different stuff. But as they were debriefing with Jesus, uh, he said, hey, don't rejoice in just the fact of all the things that are happening. Rejoice in the fact that I love you, that, that your, your name is written in the Lamb books of life, that you have salvation. And, and man, we need people in our lives to remind us of these important truths, the fundamentals, that we are children of God. What an incredible blessing that is. And I, I want to encourage you because it's very important. Because many times we can, we can find our value in what we do or how big our ministry is. Listen, even if you have a, a small ministry, um, it's not about the size of your ministry. It's about your love for Jesus and being faithful to Him. You know, I think at the end of all of our lives, we want to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. And so we just want to do the things that God's called us to do, whether it be big, whether it be small. We want to do everything for God's glory in response of worship unto Him. And so I need people in my life to remind me of this, and I just felt like I should pass that on to you to remind you of the fact that now we have a relationship with God and we can rely on His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, to empower us, to encourage us, and to do this work. We don't have to rely on our own strength but yet we can go to God and ask Him for help. And God can do more in one moment than we could do in a lifetime. And so what a joy it is to rely on His Spirit, to be filled with His Spirit, and to know Him in this intimate way. And so today I ask my friend, Pastor Jim Gallagher, to teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I wanted us to be reminded of the necessity and the privilege that we have in Christ, that we have His Spirit inside of us to be able to minister and His power and His strength. And Jim serves as the lead pastor up at Calvary Chapel, Vero Beach, um, and is also one of the regional guys in the leadership for all the Calvary Chapels in Florida. He's a really gifted teacher and did an amazing job with his teaching and just encouraging us to rely on God and His Spirit. And so here's Pastor Jim with an encouraging word. Hey guys,
1: I'm Jim Gallagher, I'm a pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Vero Beach. And uh, I've been assigned to talk today about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And theologians refer to the study of the Holy Spirit as pneumatology. Pneuma is the Greek word for breath or spirit. And of course, ology is a suffix that means to study. And we combine these words together, we get the study of the Holy Spirit. One of the key phrases regarding the Holy Spirit in the Bible is the phrase, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Six times in the narrative of Scripture, we read that phrase. Uh, It's in all four of the Gospels. Mark puts it this way, Jesus says, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit, Um, John speaking regarding Jesus. And it's mentioned as the precursor of all the events that will transpire within the book of Acts. In other words, everything that happens through the believers in the book of Acts is a byproduct of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, uh, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And this work, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, is something that is promised to all those who believe in Christ. Acts chapter 2, Peter put it this way, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children, listen, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call." So the work of the Holy Spirit is to baptize believers. Um, The word baptize is one of those interesting words in your Bible that isn't actually translated. Uh, The Greek word is baptizo, the English word baptism. You can see there's not really a translation, it's more of a transliteration. If the word were translated, it would mean to submerge. And the idea is a person being submerged in or or filled with or overflowing with the Spirit of God. Now when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, He talked uh, predictively about the work that the Spirit would do in the world. He used three different prepositions to describe the work of the Spirit. He said that the Spirit of God would be with us, would be in us, and later He said that the Spirit of God would come upon us. And so these prepositions, a preposition is a a word that donates location. So the first one with, um, that's a promise. The Spirit of God is with everyone. Uh, Some of you might remember that passage uh, in the Psalms where the Psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heights of heaven or the depths of Sheol, you're there. So the Spirit of God is with everyone, and the ministry of the Spirit of God with people is to bring them to Christ. And we'll talk a little bit more about how it's the Spirit of God that's actually working in the life of a person before They come to Christ and that the work of a person in ministry, a person sharing the gospel, whether it's one-on-one over coffee or it's behind a pulpit or in a stadium, uh, the Spirit of God is already working and we come alongside of the work that the Spirit is doing when we present the gospel message. And so Jesus says, the Spirit is with us. Jesus went on to say, the Spirit will also be in you. In, uh, it's obviously a different preposition, noting a different location. With is external. In is internal. And he said that the Spirit of God would be in you. And we have that beautiful picture there after the resurrection of Jesus that we're told that Jesus breathed the Spirit into the apostles. Uh, It was Paul writing on this subject where he said that that it's the the Spirit of God in us that is really the mark of, of salvation. He says, if a person does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to God. And so the real uh, mark that a person belongs to Jesus is not something external, it's something internal and it's when the Spirit of God enters us. Jesus referred to that as being born again. Um, uh, Paul referred to it as the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Spirit. And then just prior to ascending to heaven, Jesus used that third preposition. And he said that the, that the, the believers would receive power when the Spirit comes upon them. So again, that preposition obviously donate, denotes a different location than with, a different location than in. It's that coming upon us of the Spirit and this event is referred to as the baptism of the Spirit, also as being filled with the Spirit, or as the Spirit coming upon us. Uh, the term filled with the Spirit is a common New Testament phrase to describe the work of the Spirit. In some cases, it's used synonymously with the baptism. Uh, it speaks of this continual filling of the of the Spirit. And so, if we're to take the the scripture regarding the work of the Spirit at face value, I think we recognize that the apostles understood that there was a work of the Spirit that was additional to the work that takes place at conversion, and it's a work that is continual. In other words, the work of the Spirit is to regenerate us to salvation, and then to continually fill and equip us as we seek to follow Christ. And I don't think there's any question biblically that the New Testament writers saw the need for the church and the individual Christian to continually be filled with the Spirit. Let me just throw out several verses at you with that that concept. Uh, Romans 15, Paul says, Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing, may you abound in hope by the power of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Galatians 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you made perfect in the flesh? Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation or leads to living after the flesh, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. And 1 Thessalonians 5, don't quench the Spirit of God. So the work of the Spirit is to lead a person to faith in Christ, to convert that person when they believe on Jesus, to transform a person into the image of Jesus, and to uh, supply uh, continual gifting and empowering as we step out to serve the Lord. So what I'd like to do is take a few minutes, and I wanna talk about what a person, person should expect when they are filled with the Spirit. Um, before that, let me just say briefly that, that, that Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, if, if you as a father, if your son asked you for bread or a fish or egg, something to eat, you wouldn't give him a rock. You wouldn't give him a scorpion. You wouldn't give him a snake. You would, you would give them what was good for them. And then Jesus, using that in form of contrast, he said, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so this work of the Spirit that we're going to talk about is, is something that's available to believers. And if you are in ministry, if you're pastoring, uh, you're responsible for a flock via, uh, be, may it be um, a youth group, or or a men's ministry, or a women's ministry, or, or a church at large. Um, you know, we want to encourage people that the Spirit of God and the work of the Spirit is available to them. We also want to be encouraged ourselves that the work of the Spirit is available to us, that we're not doing this thing on our own. We're not left on our own. You remember it was Jesus who said that, that He would give us another comforter, another helper, one that would come alongside. And when we read in the Gospel narratives, we see that, that Jesus was there to assist the disciples. They, they were never left on their own. Uh, we see them coming into difficulties in ministry that are bigger than themselves. They've got 5,000 hungry people and all they've got is a bag lunch. But then Jesus is there to assist and Jesus assists and that bag lunch is enough to feed the group. Or, or they're out in the storm and it looks like they're gonna die and they're, th- you know, they're threatened by the wind and the waves but Jesus is there to calm the situation, um, and so Jesus says, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm ascending, I'm going to my Father, and when I go to my Father, I'm going to pour the Spirit out upon you, and the Spirit is designed to assist you. You're not alone. You're, you're not doing this on your own. And so I want to I talk, I'm just going to mention six things that we should expect when the Spirit of God comes upon us individually, or six things that we should expect to happen to people when the Spirit of God comes upon them. And these things should encourage us to be praying for a fresh work of the Spirit in our life and a fresh work of the Spirit in the life of those who we have uh, oversight or ministry responsibility with. So first of all, what should we expect when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? Number one, we should expect the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. The the word sanctify is a word that means to consecrate or to make sacred. Well over 75 times in the New Testament, the adjective used to describe the Spirit of God is holy. The Spirit of God is a holy spirit. It's a sanctifying spirit. The Spirit of God is is in the process of taking a believer and forming them, shaping them, sanctifying them into the image of Jesus. Let me share a couple verses on that thought. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes, "'Such were some of you, but you were washed.'" Listen, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Sanctification, work of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1, we're referred to as elect according to the foreknowledge of God. In sanctification of the Spirit. Second Corinthians 3. Paul writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And liberty would refer at least to at least in part to the Lord setting us free from the things that once bound us. And so a fresh work of the Spirit will show itself in a desire of a person to become more like Jesus. And so in my life personally, I need, a, I need a fresh and continual work of the Spirit to put desire in me to want to be like Jesus. And and in ministry, you know, that's really our goal is to see people grow and develop and desire to come like Christ. Um, we, we are all dealing in ministry with incomplete people. Some people have yet to come to Christ, some people are just starting, some people who have, who have stalled along the way or been caught up in something, and we need a fresh work of the Spirit of God in their life to ignite a desire to be more like Christ. Paul warned us not to quench the Spirit. Uh, and a quenching of the Spirit is the idea of extinguishing the work that the Spirit wants to do. And I think uh, one of the surest ways to quench the Spirit in ministry is is through unbelief. That, that we don't recognize that it's a need for God to work in people's lives and to be praying for that to happen. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that we see in the life of Jesus regarding the Spirit is that the Spirit empowered Jesus to cast demons out of people. In Matthew 12, we read, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So somebody whose life is being wrecked by the devil, they're freed, according to Jesus, by the work of the Spirit. And in the same way, we, we see people today, lives being wrecked by the work of the devil. We even, we even use that phrase very loosely where you we say, well, that person's just struggling with demons. We, we're not saying that there's a demon possessing them. Or, it's just that, Something that they're caught up in. Isn't it wonderful to know that the work of the Spirit is to deliver people from situations like that? Our church here is, is filled with people who were once in bondage to certain areas of sin and the sanctifying work of the Spirit set them free and they're now affecting change not only in their own life, but in the life of others. So we should expect the Spirit of God to sanctify people and we need the Spirit of God for sanctification to take place. Number two, much of what we know about the Holy Spirit comes from the words of Jesus. Jesus said that he would pray and that the Father would give us another helper. The word helper is a word that means to come alongside and to assist. And so we should expect that if a person has a fresh work of the Spirit in their life, they should uh, recognize the presence of God more in their daily life. And that's really what we desire. Uh, if you're in ministry and you're, you're, you're seeking to uh, instruct people to grow in the Lord, you can't sit with them every day. You can't, you know, be with them through the night. But the Spirit of God is present with them. And one of the works of the Spirit is to make aware the presence of God. God is there and He begins to speak. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. In chapter 14 of John's gospel, Jesus said, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I said. One of the things the Spirit of God does is instruct people. His presence is there to instruct us. Paul said to the Corinthians, God has revealed things to us through his Spirit. We remember the character Simeon in Luke's gospel, and we're told that he had things revealed to him by the Spirit. In Acts 20, Paul said that the Holy Spirit testified to him. And so there's this great work of the Spirit where he comes alongside. In addition to sanctifying us, he's also there present with us. And that presence is to instruct us, to give us insight and understanding of the Word of God. That that presence is also to give us direction in our life. Jesus put it this way. He said, the wind blows where it wishes. We hear the sound of it. We can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. He says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit, the Spirit giving direction. Paul experienced that. You remember in Acts 16, we read they went through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. And after they came to Mycenae, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of God did not permit them." In other words, God was present with them. The Spirit of God was directing their life. And and God had a plan, and it was through the Spirit of God that they found out that plan. Other times, uh, we see the Spirit of God helping. He comes along not only to instruct us as we read the Bible, not only to give us direction in our life, but to also give us timely words in difficult situations. Uh, Think about uh, what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel. He said, you'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about what you should speak for. It will be given to you in that hour what you should speak for. It is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit of your father who speaks in you. In Luke chapter 12, we read, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour the things that you ought to say. So what should we expect if we have a fresh work of the Spirit? If we if we encourage people in the ministries that we're involved in to, to seek God for a work of the Spirit in their life? We should expect sanctification. We should expect the presence of God teaching, guiding, and giving us the things to say in the... The appropriate time. Um, Number three, a filling of the spirit should also increase our desire to reach lost people. A a, a person that has a fresh work of the spirit is also going to have God's um, heart and God's desire for the world. In Luke chapter 9, the the disciples uh, wanted to call fire down from heaven to consume a city of people. And Jesus' response to that was very striking. He said this, he says, he turned and he rebuked them and he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. And then he said, the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went towards another village. In other words, Jesus is saying that that a spirit that does not have a desire to see broken lives uh, fixed, you know, lost people saved, people come to Christ, is of another spirit rather than the spirit of God. Because it's God's heart, God's desire, to see people come to faith in Christ. And so that's why Jesus said that it was to our advantage that He would go so that He could give us another helper. The fourth thing, the Bible also promises that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit. We're familiar with the phrase, you know, it was Paul who wrote that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and goodness and kindness. He makes this list of things. And a, a further filling of the Spirit should result in an increase in bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Jesus put it this way, On the last day of the feast, the the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said, "'If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. "'He who believes in me, as the scripture says, "'out of his heart will flow rivers of living water.'" And then John comments, "'But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, "'whom those believing in him would receive, "'for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, "'because Jesus had not yet been glorified.'" Now keep in mind, John wrote this decades after the fact. Jesus makes the statement that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years following Jesus, he's at the end of his life, he's writing this book and he makes the commentary. And he says, what he was talking about was the work of the Spirit. Because when the Spirit of God works on an individual, that individual begins to be transformed from the inside out. And they begin to bear uh, characteristics in their life that weren't there before. An angry man becomes a joy-filled man. You know, an impatient person becomes someone who's able to wait upon the Lord. A person that, that, that lacks any care or concern with others is someone that's filled with love. Some of the characteristics that we read about, joy is one of the chief works of the Spirit. Uh, The disciples were filled with joy. And the Holy Spirit, Acts 13 says, Romans 14 says, The kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. And so there's an internal work where a person is transformed, they're changed. Who they were and who they become are different people. Perhaps the chief work of the Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit developed in a person is love. Paul says that love or hope won't disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit that is given to us. And so the Spirit of God transforms a person, produces love in a person. Love needs to be directed first towards God, work of the Spirit. Love then needs to be uh, directed towards uh, those believers, those that are around us, those are closest to us. You know, how desperately husbands need to love their wives and parents, their children. And, and But then love for the world at large, for people that don't know Christ, for someone that we've never met, and we have an encounter and suddenly there's a love, there's a concern, there's a desire for them. That's a work of the Spirit. Another promise associated with the work of the Spirit is an increased desire and an increased effectiveness in prayer. Prayer is essential. It's essential for the work of God to continue. It's essential for relationship with God to thrive. And, and the Spirit of God uh, works with prayer in ministering to a person. Paul put it this way in Romans 8. He said, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness for we don't know how we should pray, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. Being filled with the Spirit will increase not only our desire for prayer, but our effectiveness in prayer. Lastly, so we tie this up, the chief promise associated with being filled with the Spirit is power. There's a sanctifying work, there is a uh, transforming work, there is a presence of God at work, there is uh, a desire for the lost, there's an increased desire for prayer, there's fruit developed, but the chief work of the Spirit coming upon someone is a power. Uh, I'm going to read a couple verses to you. Luke 1, we read, He, Jesus, will go before him in the spirit and the power, I'm sorry, John the Baptist, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. In Luke 4, we read, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. In Luke 24, Jesus said, I'm gonna send the promise of the Father, but you need to wait in Jerusalem until the power from on high comes upon you. In Acts 1, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. In Ephesians 3, that Paul prays that we would be granted, according to the riches of God's glory, to be strengthened with might in the inner man. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter one, verse five, Paul says, the gospel did not come in word only, but in power and in the Spirit. And so there's there's an empowering work that is associated with the Spirit of God. Now, for a moment I wanna share regarding ministry. And ministry is a very interesting thing because um, we are attempting to do something that we are completely incapable of doing. We're, We're attempting to minister to people at a spiritual level, and the only thing that we have are natural means. So I'm, I'm communicating using words, they'll, they'll, you know, the vibration of the ears, they form thoughts in the mind, and, and yet we're trying to minister to the heart. And so we're dependent upon the work of the Spirit to do that. And the Bible promises that the Spirit of God will empower us to do what we can't do on our own. I wanna, I wanna share with you just a you know, simple illustration. When I, when I first got saved, started walking with the Lord, I heard several Bible studies on sort of the danger of being a self-reliant man. And that, th- that there was a tendency in some to think of their own abilities and their own strength and that they didn't need God and that they would try to do things and accomplish things on their own. And I, and I had very much ingrained in me this, this recognition that that won't work. But there's another side to it. What about the person who is completely aware of the fact that they don't have strength, that they can't do something on their own? I want to encourage you that the Spirit of God, as much as we cannot do something in our own strength, we can do something when empowered by God. That my limitations and my weaknesses don't in any way limit or weaken God. God is in the business of taking um, broken, shallow, imperfect people and accomplishing great works through them. And so as we learn to rely upon the Spirit of God, as we learn to trust in the Spirit of God. We don't stand in our own strength and our own wisdom and our own ability, but we stand offering our strength or weakness, our opportunity, our ability. We offer that to the Lord and we trust in the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is already at work in the world and we are coming alongside and assisting God in the work that He already wants to do. So I wanna encourage you continually seek God for a fresh work of his spirit in our life. Uh, We are ministers of a new covenant, not just the letter that kills, but the spirit that gives life. So God bless you guys. Keep walking with Jesus. Keep serving Jesus.
0: It's so good to just be reminded of that simple fact that we can rely on Jesus and his spirit to do this work. And I love that it's so simple. All we have to do is ask God for help and He hears our cries. We could have confidence that He knows and answers our prayers. But sometimes we overcomplicate things and we want to hear something new or do something different. But the reality is we just need to continue to go back to Christ. And let's not forget the fundamentals of our faith. Let's not lose sight of our first love. We should be servants that say like John the Baptist, more of you and less of me, God. And so in this week's One Piece of Advice video, I have Pastor John Panico telling us the importance of surrendering. Surrendering to Jesus. Pastor John is one of the pastors in my beloved city, Delray Beach, and he serves at Calvary Chapel, Delray Beach. Uh, he is just a great guy to be around, very encouraging, and a faithful servant. And I remember when I first moved to Delray Beach and was planning here, he just welcomed me with open arms i truly love him and his family and love being able to serve in the same city with him and so here's pastor john encouraging us to surrender you're listening to one piece of advice brought to you by eeleaders.com a ministry to encourage and equip church leaders
2: I'm Pastor John from Calvary Chapel in Delray Beach. I've been a pastor over there for eight years. Uh, we started out as Delray Beach Community Church eight years ago. Uh, a couple of years after that, we became a Calvary Chapel. And through the years, I have to be honest with you, there have been many moments of disappointment and many discouragements that we have faced as a church, um, things that have made me want to uh, just kind of give up. And what I want to share with you today, and I want to encourage your hearts, because I've learned over the years the difference between giving up and surrendering. Perhaps if you've ever seen a boxing match, you have watched um, as, you know, somebody's getting pummeled and the white towel is thrown in, and when they throw in the white towel, that means that they lost, and that's in the boxing match. In, In war, if you raise the white flag, you lose. But in the Christian life and in ministry, well, the moment you throw in the white towel that's the moment that you're saying I surrender and that's when God comes in and he floods your life with his power and with the things that he wants to do usually when you're ready to say I give up so I want to encourage you today to throw in the towel and here's why Uh, there's a specific verse that I've always kind of pressed into when the world is pressing in on me from the book of Philippians And it's chapter 1, verse 6, and most of you are familiar with this verse. It reads like this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. When I read that verse, I'm thinking, wow, this is incredible, because these words are written not from a privileged perch, but from a prison cell. And what we see is how God is using that situation where Paul is getting pressed to produce fruit. And so a few things stick out to me. The first thing is that he says, he who has begun a good work in you. And that means that the work commences in Christ. So in other words, you know, when you came into the ministry, God called you into that work. He invited you. Every great story in this book starts with the call of God and him inviting broken, messed up people into that work so that he can do something amazing. So the work commences in him, but it also continues in him. He says, he who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So he continues the work in you. When we begin relying on the flesh and we establish things in the flesh, and that means that the work that was begun in the spirit, well, we begin to feel weakness and we tire and frustrated. And that usually means that something's off in our personal relationship with God. And so we have to press back into that relationship. We have to press back into our worship if we're to continue the work. But we also have the confidence that the work will be complete. It says, will be complete until the day of Jesus Christ. That he who started that good work is going to complete it. He is a great finisher. We've read the end of the book. We know who wins in the end. And wherever it is you're at right now in your ministry, whether you're in a moment of blessing or if you're struggling through challenges, if you have great opportunities, if you're being faced with great obstacles, the fact of the matter is, is that when we're reliant upon the Holy Spirit, we can be confident that where we are, this is exactly what God wants and he's going to do his best work in and through you when we surrender so i want to encourage you to surrender to him and just throw in the towel and watch what he does
0: well what a great episode to just simply focus on God and the importance of being filled with His Spirit. I love being able to remind people of these wonderful truths and it's such a joy to host this leadership podcast to sort of steer the direction and ask guys that are gifted and have a passion for certain things to share and to pour into us. Uh, Many times we get discouraged because we don't know what we're doing and how to do it and so it's such a blessing to have all these guys full of wisdom and experience to be able to remind us of these great truths and to pour into this community. And I hope that through um, this community, you know that you are loved, that you are not alone, that you're a part of something great. And I want to remind you that there are more resources for you to try to equip you and encourage you at eeleaders.com. Remember, you can get all the show notes, the individual videos. You can listen to things and download stuff. And there are many more resources there available all for free. Uh, One more thing I like to do on that website is provide additional leadership quotes of myself and others and also recommend a leadership book for you every single month. And this month's leadership book is h3 leadership by brad lomenick and brad was one of the catalyst leaders for many years and one thing i love about this book um, is he not only has amazing quotes in this book but he has so many quotes by so many different other people uh, they're incredible and so i wanted to just read a few to give you uh, just a taste of the book a little teaser again uh, this first couple of quotes are on humility brian houston says pride refuses to be taught but humility refuses not to be. So good. Christian Stanfield, a worship leader, said this about humility as well. There is no way to look at Jesus and not have humility flood your life. Man, I love that God uh, gives grace to the humble, and as we look to him, he pours out his grace upon us. Another musician, the rapper Propaganda, said this, uh, always leave a place or a person better than you found it. Jimmy Carter talks about faith and brad quotes him saying go out on a limb that's where the fruit is finally christian kane was quoted in this book and she said the spotlight will kill you if you don't spend time in the dark room and man we're going to drill down in that last thought the importance of spending time in that dark room the secret place uh, time with jesus and the importance of prayer in ministry because we're filled by God's spirit through prayer, but we're to continue to rely on him and aligning our lives up to him through prayer. This is why Jesus said, not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he taught us to do that. And prayer really aligns our heart up with God and his kingdom and his ways. And so it's important for us to understand this concept. I love what Rick Warren said about prayer. He said, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. And so we are to be men and women of prayers we serve Jesus, aligning our hearts up with His. And I'm so looking forward to next time we can get together and talk about another important leadership lesson. But until then, hey, may God continue to fill you with His Spirit, and may you continue to look to Him for strength. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it would encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, There's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.